Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Got an interesting show for you today, so hopefully you enjoy it. It's entitled, The Stories We Tell Ourselves. You know, we all do have a story, and then we have a story that we tell about our story. And what happens oftentimes is stories, sometimes excuses, sometimes conditions, become the reasons for where we're at in life, the state of our relationships, the state of our health, the state of our finances, the state of our work life or businesses. And so we have a tendency to tell these stories over and over again. Propaganda are lies that are repatriated over and over again until people believe them. Well, we can do that ourselves and we can be our own propaganda department. And the next thing you know, all we have is a story and not a life. And I would say this to you, the good life and the good life that awaits you is always better than any story you tell yourself. When I interviewed Jocko Wilnick on our podcast, He said, excuses were the lies we tell ourselves. Well, stated like a true Navy SEAL. But think about it. Excuses are the lies we tell ourselves. That's another word for a story. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to unpack the stories we tell ourselves. We're going to talk about the peril of blind spots, and we all have them. I'm going to give you a bunch of examples today of people who've replaced their stories with success. They decided not to buy into their own story or their own circumstances, and replaced it with success, which is ultimately what we all want to do. And then lastly, I want to share with you that your story's not over, and we're looking for that happy ending. So, you know, that's the beautiful thing. Until we're all gone from this planet Earth we live on, this life and this body we inhabit, our story's not done. It's not finished. Many people have, in the last chapters of their lives, built out a remarkable story that became their legacy. Also, there are many people who pursued the good life and achieved much, but their last chapters defined their life, and all their work got consumed with that. So we're going to talk about that today. So let's dive right in. The peril of personal blind spots. Here's where the first blind spots begins. It's the excuses we make, just like Jocko talked about. Now, we judge ourselves by our intentions. Other people judge us by our actions. That's a big one to get over. We know our intent, and we judge ourselves by our intent. But everyone else judges us by what we do and what our actions are. And there's a radical difference there. In fact, there's a story there. We have a tendency to exercise too much empathy for ourselves because those excuses become ingrained. And then where those of us who know how to promote and sell, Talented salespeople make for talented excuse makers. You know, my other life over at Buffini and Company for the past 25 years, I've been coaching small business people, an awful lot of realtors, an awful lot of people in the lending business, who are many of them very talented salespeople. And some of the excuses that have come up over the years in the coaching experience of why someone didn't do the activities they said they would, why someone didn't make progress towards their goals, it's sometimes hilarious. Because salespeople, people are good communicators, 
are great at coming up with really talented stories. When we developed our CRM, our contact management system, the phrase was, I said, I've built just enough room for numbers, not a story. So how many calls did you make this week? How many notes did you write this week? How many people did you visit? How many people did you take for a lunch or a coffee? How many past customers did you go see? There was only enough room to write in a number. There was never enough room to write in a story. And the dynamic is, in regards to results, there is only stories. You know, one of the things I've been through lately, we've had a lot of very big uh, strategic partners and opportunities coming along, and we've sat down at the table at some big financial players. And the truth of the matter is they want to hear the story of our business, but at the end of the day, they just wanted to see the numbers. And sometimes we'd have stories behind the numbers. They weren't interested in those. They wanted to know our story. What's our history? How did we become who we became? All those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, they just wanted to see the numbers. And in life, life can be a little cruel like this. You know, it's like, just give me the results. I remember uh, years ago, I went on an appointment with, with my friend Joe Nego back in Chicago, and I just wanted to experience what the South Side of Chicago clientele and how they were in real estate, as opposed to my clientele that were in kind of a more upscale Southern California neighborhood. So I'm sitting there with Joe, and he's talking to this guy, and he's a blue-collar guy, and he goes, hey, Joe, Joe's explaining about how difficult the market was and just preparing and setting expectations for the customer. And the guy just goes, hey, Joe. I just want you to deliver the baby. I don't want to hear about the labor pains. And that's how the world and that's how the market views our success. And what do we do? We spend a lot of time talking about the labor pains. And sometimes that's all we get. We have the labor pains, but we don't even get the baby. Why? Because of the stories we tell ourselves. Jim Rohn used to say, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Ben Franklin said, Never ruin an apology with an excuse. It's a story. And then again, one of my favorite authors, Anonymous, said, Tomorrow is a mystical land where 99% of all human productivity and achievement is stored. Like tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. So first off, there's excuses we make. Next, we convince ourselves. Those talented salespeople, those talented inner communicators, we convince ourselves. So we reticerize like in a barbecue spit, our excuses over and over and over again. And we do this in every area, our health, our weight, business, money, finances, relationships, anything, anything we're struggling with, it's very easy to make the excuse and then rotisserize it. Health, oh, I'm big boned. My family of origin is this. I have slow metabolism. Everything I eat goes to my hips, whatever. We have these stories. And those stories become fact. Yet many, many people with the same biological breakdown have been able to make the breakthroughs. Maybe physiologically, you're like me. I have to work a little harder. And I had a great story, right? I was an athlete. I was in great shape. I had a very severe motorcycle accident. I was broken poor. I couldn't rehab properly. 13 operations in two and a half years, quarter of a million dollars in debt, and I went to work. See, I have the story so well down. I just told it to you how quickly. And for a lot of reasons, you know, I poured myself into my business, I got married, and I neglected the physical area of my life. And for years, the excuse was, but I had this motorcycle accident. I was poor and broke. I couldn't rehabilitate. I had physical limitations from the motorcycle accident. All of that was true, and all of that was an excuse. And it wasn't until later, hang on a second here, I'm putting on weight, I'm not in shape, I got body fat going up, I got blood pressure going up, hang on a second here. The numbers. The numbers expose the story. And now it's like, forget that. What can I do today? 
And that motorcycle accident's a long, long time ago. It is no part in my story today. Zero. And so I have to approach the day with what I have today, with where I'm at today. But are you going to spend the rest of your life in that story? Or are you going to create a new story? And as we get to today, the happy ending. A lot of times we'll find others in the same boat. So we have birds of a feather. And the next thing you know, we kind of flock together. And we can flock together in a downward spiral. That's what I say. If you want to soar with the eagles, don't be hanging out with the chickens. Charlie Munger is the co-founder of Berkshire Hathaway. He's part of the brains behind Warren Buffett. And so here he is. We have a habit of distorting the facts until they become bearable for our own views. Powerful. His partner, Warren Buffett, said, what the human being is best at doing is interpreting all new information so that their prior conclusions remain intact. It takes courage to change your thinking. It takes courage to change your life. Ben Franken again said, people are best convinced by things they themselves discover. We do tell ourselves some excuses, and then we do have a tendency to convince ourselves. And then the third application of that is we live in our own story. So when you make an excuse, you get to live in the story, but not the success of it. It affects what we believe, and it becomes our truth. And that is the new phrase we have today. Oh, it's my truth. It's your truth. And many times we forget the fact there is a truth. Like the law of gravity is a truth. What goes up must come down. We can convince ourselves of our truth, but when our truth, which is very kind of the cool thing today, our truth can be a bunch of garbage. Our truth can be a bunch of excuses. Our truth can be a bunch of victimization of ourselves and giving over to other people. Brene Brown said owning your story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we will ever do. Brilliant woman. So we have these personal blind spots. There's excuses we make, then we convince ourselves, and then we get to live in that story. And we get to live in that story instead of the success. And that's really what our second major point is about today, is I want to give you a bunch of examples, and there's thousands and thousands of these, of people who replace their story with success. You know, I've lived this myself, not in the same level as these people that I'm going to give you examples of today, but I had a story. I could have stayed there. I was in the hospital bed for all those weeks. I had all those surgeries. I owed all that money. I was that disadvantaged. I was that young. I was that far away from home. I had all those different challenges, but it wasn't where the story was going to end. I wasn't going to become a victim of those circumstances. I changed my story, and I'm changing my story even now because the ending of my story is not done. And for me, I want my story to finish well and not atrophy and decay. So. Here's an example of some stories. Michael Jordan, the famous story of Michael Jordan, who was cut as a sophomore, as a sophomore from his high school basketball team. Now, that's kind of late in the game. He was considered an average player, yet he went home. He was devastated. Now, he went to see a confidant. That confidant was his mom. He went to his mom looking for comfort and so on and so forth, and he said, hey, I'm going to go play baseball. They don't want me in basketball. And his mom challenged him. She challenged him. Are you the best that you can be? Have you really given it your best? Have you put it all in? Why don't you do this? Why don't you take this summer, work as hard as you can, give it your very best shot. And then if you don't make the team, you can then go, okay, I gave it my best shot. I'm going to move on. And also during that summer, he worked hard. He put in the time. Now life changed. He grew a few inches. He got better. Two years later, 18 months, actually to be precise, he was considered the best 
basketball player in high school in the country. His story changed, and it changed quickly. Now, if he'd have listened to his own excuse and listened to his, the coach doesn't like me, I'm in this environment. There was also a question at the time, which didn't come out till later in life, that Michael thought there might have been a racial thing going on at the same time. So he had all these doubts and all these concerns and whatever else. And what did he do? Change the story. Obviously, he goes down in history as the greatest basketball player ever. Won six NBA championships, two three-peats. MVP after MVP after MVP after MVP. Here's Michael Jordan's quote. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again, and that is why I succeed. He understands that the story of your life has chapters of failure in it. The story of your life might have paragraphs of failure in it. And that is what a successful story looks like. J.K. Rowling, okay, she was jobless. She's a single mom. She's living off unemployment benefits in Scotland. When she wrote Harry Potter, it was rejected by 12 publishers. And I can tell you in that environment, in the market's smaller right there in, in Europe, and especially in England and Ireland and Scotland, those markets are smaller. So the opportunities are less. When you get rejected time and time and time again, and by the way, in that environment, who do you think you are? What are you trying to do? Who do you think you are to write best-selling books? Her environment would have been against her. Her circumstances would have been against her. The size of the market would have been against her. And yet, here it is. You know, she went on to be one of the best-selling authors of the 21st century. Her quote says, It is impossible to live without failing at something, unless you live so cautiously that you might as well have not lived at all, in which case you fail by default. She sells approximately 500 million copies of her book, the best-selling book series in history. You know, I've been to Universal Studios, and here's giant elements of the theme park dedicated to Harry Potter. And yet her circumstances, her situation, feeling failure, feeling rejection, had to step out amongst it all. One of my favorite quotes of hers is, it matters not what someone is born, but what they grow to be. Powerful stuff. Here's another example, Jack Ma. Jack Ma, born in communist China, failed in school repeatedly, failed in his first two businesses, then started Alibaba, (laughs) one of the largest companies in the world. And he says, if you don't give up, you still have a chance. Giving up is the greatest failure. He also said, on the path to success, you will notice the successful ones are not whiners, nor do they complain often. Oi, that's serious for us all. I know from time to time, I go, why, why, why? Boy, wine, it's not a great thing. So that's what these folks who've replaced their stories with success have done. Walt Disney, first cartoon business went bankrupt. His first job he got fired from as an artist because he said he had no creativity. He lost rights to his first popular character, which was Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Can you imagine we could have had Oswald Land instead of Disneyland? And it would have been Oswald the Lucky Rabbit instead of Mickey Mouse. I guess he was fortunate he lost the rights to that sucker. Sometimes loss devastates us. Sometimes loss paralyzes us. Sometimes loss, what it does, it actually frees us up on the road to success. So we know the rest of the story with Disneyland and look at the corporation that it is today. Here's what Walt said. All the adversity I've had in my life, all the troubles and obstacles have strengthened me. You may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the greatest thing in the world for you. 
Spoken like a fellow who's not given in to any excuses. Henry Ford. In the first five years that spanned between the Model A and the Model T, the Ford plant engineered and sold more than 20 different models before finally getting it right. Everybody, oh yeah, Henry figured it out and so on. Took a lot. He said, failure is simply the opportunity to begin again and again, this time more intelligently. He also said, the famous, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Not a perfect man, not a perfect woman, none of these people are. But the fact is, they perfected their stories. I can do that, and so can you. Jay-Z, Jay-Z's dad left home when he was 11 years of age, made some bad decisions, was selling crack on the street corner. Started doing his rapping and his rhyming. Couldn't get a record deal. And he was at a time when a lot of people were getting record deals who could rap. So he started selling his CDs from his trunk. Remember those CDs? Well, that's where Jay-Z started. His third album was bootlegged one month before its release. So it got released all over the world a month before he could get it out. So it went out there for free before he could sell it. Jay-Z is one of the wealthiest recording artists in the world because of the production company he owns and all the artists that he manages, okay? And uh, he's a billionaire today. He says, I will not lose, for even in defeat, there's a valuable lesson learned. So it evens up for me. And he also said, those who are successful overcome their fears and take action. Those who aren't submit to their fears and live with regrets. You sensing a pattern here? Go back in the olden days. Oh, my mom, just she just loved Fred Astaire. So I had to throw in a little Fred Astaire history here. In his family, he was called the less talented sibling. Has that ever happened to you? Producers were unimpressed when he did his first screen test. He didn't get, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. He didn't even get a shot. Eventually, he created a formula for his films and redefined the way dance sequences were filmed and considered the greatest dancer in movie history. And Fred Astaire said, do it big, do it right, do it with style. He also said, some people seem to think that good dancers are born, but all the good dancers I have known are taught or trained. Good stuff. Babe Ruth, that's our boy, you know, old Babe. He's, uh, he was drinking at age seven. Now, even for an Irishman, that's talented. Chewing tobacco, in trouble with the police as a boy. In his career, he struck out. He went up to bat in front of a crowd of people. So not only do we have the stories we tell, we have the embarrassment. When we embarrass ourselves, when we try something and other people see it. So think about this. In front of a crowd of people, not by himself, he struck out 1,330 times. Okay? Almost twice as often as he hit a home run, he struck out. Now, he hit 714 home runs, and 100 years later, we're still talking about Babe Ruth. Obviously, in the Hall of Fame and all the accomplishments that he had. And he said, don't let the fear of striking out hold you back. He struck out almost twice as often as he hit a home run. He's known for his home runs. So will we. And as we live our life for our story, that's what happens. And he said, you can't beat the person who never gives up. You just can't beat them. So we looked at what the blind spots are, the excuses we make, and how we convince ourselves, and we get to live in our own story. I gave you a bunch of examples, and there's a bunch more. And my hope is that you'll tell your story to someone someday, and that you're the example. And here's what I overcame. And here's what happened. And here's what the setbacks were. But I didn't give up, and I changed the tune, and here's how I finished up. And that's that's where I want to finish up here today. Here's the happy ending, which is, Your story's not finished. 
Your story's not finished. And it's very important how we finish our stories. Now, if you're a young person, listen to me, you need to build your story up. But how many people have you ever heard of who lived what seemed to be a very successful life and then made some very poor choices or they stopped growing and descended into some behaviors? You know, you ever eaten a meal where the last bite or two was bad? And like, Ooh, it stains the whole meal. There's an awful lot of people that what they did and patterns they didn't correct during their life that eventually being the only thing that people remember about them when they were done. So it's very important whether you haven't reached the success you hope for or if you are in a place where you consider yourself successful, that you understand that your story's not done and you need to finish strong. And so I'm going to use some analogies here in regards to what we need to do. First, sometimes with regards to mistakes, difficulties, or decisions that need to be made, you need to close the chapter. That chapter needs to end. Learn from it, but put your past behind you. Very, very important. I know there's times in here where I've addressed modern psychology and modern psychology techniques. I think there's some very talented counselors. To me, that's nothing more than a mental or an emotional coach. Absolutely in favor of it. But just like all coaches, there can be ones that are not great. And some people in that profession have their clients dwell on the past so much, dwell on their story so much, they get lost in the story. And the only coaching advice is see you next week. Eventually, we need to put our past behind us. Or as Pumbaa in The Lion King, because I've now got grandkids and we're watching The Lion King all the time with my grandkids. And one of my favorite lines in The Lion King is from Pumbaa, who's known to have some gaseous issues, goes, you got to put your behind in the past. And, you know, I think that people say to me all the time, hey, you're working hard. I go head and rear down. Well, sometimes you just got to put your head and rear down and you got to work. And sometimes you got to put your past behind you. If you ever heard the podcast I did with Matthew McConaughey, he references one of his mentors, which was Daryl Royal. And Daryl Royal was the head of the University of Texas football. And when he went to him, a specific important watershed moment in his life, as he talked about green lights in his book and actually writing his story, his story changed when he met Daryl Royal. And he said, I've never had any trouble turning the page in the book of my life. Very, very successful man. When your name is in a stadium where football is the iconic sport in the whole state, that's a big deal. And one of the ways he got there was because he learned how to turn the page. We all need to turn the page. Sometimes you need to turn the page and forgive people. Sometimes you need to turn page and forgive yourself. And sometimes you need to turn the page. It's just time to forget. It's just time to forget. I always say, learn from the past and forget the rest. Forget the rest. Because what is tomorrow about? Otherwise, you get to live back there. And you're living back in the story. Great anonymous quote says, there comes a time when you have to choose between turning the page and closing the book. Again, sometimes people close the book on themselves and their story atrophies down to a bad ending. Oliver Wendell Holmes says, the moment you turn a corner, you see another stretch ahead and there comes some further challenge to your ambition. Turn the page, close the chapter, look ahead. Where am I going? The next thing we need in regards to our stories, we got to break out a map, okay? So what's the map? We need our goals. We need the action steps to get there. We might need a guide, coach, training, whatever it is, to help us on our journey, and then away we go. The great Henry Kissinger says, if you do not know where you're going, every road will get you nowhere. Yogi Berra says, if you don't know where you're going, you might wind up someplace else. You know, what a brilliant guy that guy was, unintentionally. Ken Blanchard, my good friend right here in San Diego, says, knowing where you're going is the first step to getting there. 
So set the goals. What are the action steps to get there? Get some help. Find some people who are on the journey with you and go. Turn the page. Close the chapter. Let's go. Do it now. Make some decisions today. Make this not just some entertainment that you're listening to, but maybe there's something you've been putting off and putting off and putting off. Today's the day. And here's the last part I have for you today, which is to have a happy ending to the story. Don't we love the stories? And they lived happily ever after. You're in control of how your story ends. You are in control of how your story ends. I'm in control of how my story ends. I have some choices and decisions and some actions to take. I have a way to influence that. Chris Bogan, an American writer, says, if you're not writing your own story, you're a character in someone else's story. Brene Brown again said, if you own this story, you get to write the ending. And one of the reasons I love quoting Brene, she's done phenomenal work in this area. I recommend her books highly to you. Really about owning your own story, connecting to it, turning the page, closing the chapter, moving on down the road. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the great British author, said, great is the art of beginning, but greater is the art of the ending. Your story's not over. My story's not over. We're just getting going. We know that we make excuses. We know that we convince ourselves. We know we live in our own stories. We know that we can be inspired by people who traded in a story for success. And I shared a bunch of them, and I could have gone on for hours here today with hundreds and hundreds of examples of people who did just that. They left their story behind and wrote a new story for themselves. And then ultimately, our story is not over. We get to close the chapter, break out a map, and have a happy ending. Well, I hope this has been a great podcast for you today. I hope this has been helpful and encouraging. And I hope to leave you with someone who's been a huge part of my life and a chapter of my book that will always maintain. That's my mom, Therese. And at 90 years of age, she has some great words of wisdom. If you listen to this Irish blessing, not as a uh, end to our show, but as an influence on your story. Thanks for joining me today. God bless. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.